and welcome to this podcast series from Prompt Business Strategies, the turnaround and growth specialists. We will be taking a close look at the world of turnaround and exploring how to grow your business. We'll be talking to the people who have experienced it, from financial directors to lawyers and business owners, in order to give you insight and practical help. So if you are faced with dealing with a similar situation, hopefully it won't seem so daunting. Your host is David Stone, founder and CEO of Prompt Business Strategies. He'll be joined by a range of experts to discuss the hot issues. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Paul, good to catch up again. Um, The aim of this uh, podcast is to provide an insight into business turnaround. Um, Could you give a brief introduction to yourself? and the position in the company and the sector the company and group operates in. David, nice to, nice to speak to you again. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm the uh, FD of a medium-sized uh, business in the manufacturing sector. Thank you. Um, Paul, when did you first realise the business had uh, issues? And you know, what were the signs of those issues coming through in terms of cash or trading or suppliers? To be honest, it was it was fairly gradual. We had a difficult winter's trading uh, across the end of 2019, early 2020. We did all the usual things like extend credit terms with our suppliers, with or without their agreement. We we took advantage of HMRC's collection process. So by the time we got through to probably about January or February 2020, we were significantly overdue with both our main suppliers and HMRC, uh, and it was an, an it was a it was a seven figure sum. Right, understood. And we you kind of get lost in the day to day process of trying to get orders out the door. We were very very busy. We were working really really hard. We were um, our our factory was probably open or, or was manufacturing twenty hours a day. Yeah, and it was all to do with getting the next order out. We we didn't we didn't really have sight of two, three, four months onwards. It was just week to week. Uh, and Paul, what was sort of the underlying reason for the cash uh, squeeze? I, I mean, was it sort of margin? What was driving that actual cash demand? Our margin wasn't our margin wasn't too bad. The problem that we had was that the advance rate, we invoiced discount uh, for our main cash funding and our advance rate or our gross margin was lower than the balance on the advance rate. So essentially what was happening, we were using capital up to trade. Yeah. So we had a seven figure net current assets. So there was no problem there, but we were working so hard. We were using our working capital up just to, 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 to stay in business. Yeah, understood. And in terms of the communication with the rest of the board, senior management and your shareholders, I mean, did they understand the problem to the same degree? And were they totally aligned with, obviously, the plan that you were starting to sort of put in place, obviously, to manage cash initially? Um, I think they recognised the position because they had they'd been in the business far longer than I had so they knew lots of the suppliers although our industry's become much more corporate um, they knew lots of the suppliers and they lent or, or they they um, relied on their personal contacts history of good trading with with suppliers yeah uh, um, 
and it was felt that on paper performance wasn't too bad and they didn't I wouldn't say they didn't understand but it was difficult to recognize we were making profits albeit fairly uh modest uh but cash was hemorrhaging out of the business yeah and and tell me a little bit more in terms of obviously i got involved with the business partway through as you know but tell me what has sort of triggered the bank and I, and I know the bank then put in um an accountancy panel firm to carry out forms of review i mean how did that come about and, and what was the sort of internal pressures that created in itself well essentially the the bank had always been very very supportive um they hadn't got terribly involved with the with the business we as i said we invoiced discounted we had lots of contractual work which they weren't terribly comfortable with, with hence the the lower than average advance rate but we'd always we had that arrangement for seven or eight years and we were subject to regular audit they they always seemed quite happy about things we did run up close to our facility you know we, we used to maximize drawdowns as far as we possibly could so yeah. so we had all the classic signs of a business in distress but until we uh, entered the first lockdown there was no suggestion at all from the bank that they were uncomfortable with their exposure uh, the first thing i i knew about it was we'd had the like lots of people i guess we'd had after the prime minister went on television that monday evening in march we got everybody together in the office on Tuesday and said, look, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen now, but we all need to go home. Yes. Um, so we furloughed. At that time, we employed just under 300 people um, and we furloughed about 290 of them. Yeah. So we kept the uh, credit control team, IT, myself, um, carried on working. The One of the two main shareholders carried on. The other one we furloughed. And it was about two days after going into lockdown where I, I got a, a call from... Uh, no, actually, I got, I got a call from the panel accountants first yep. saying that, that they'd phoned me because um, that I'd asked the bank to help. That wasn't quite the case. We'd had a conversation prior to, uh, to lockdown. And it was then when they got deeply involved in all aspects of, of, of our cash collection so by the time that we went back to the office after five five weeks of lockdown, we were on we were under I can't remember if it's called special measures or intervention, etc. So that we were um, we were doing daily cash flows. We were um, we were asked to apply for our funds on a daily basis, even though we were operating within our facility. We'd net we weren't any breach of any covenants at all, yeah. and it just got very, very difficult to manage on, on manage that process. There were so many people involved. And so by the time you got involved, David, I seem to remember that I wasn't particularly keen to hear from you. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, I remember it well, and I fully respected that. You had a lot of advisors um, yes. arrive by that point. <laughs> it completely changed the way that we did business. And ironically enough, by by carrying on collecting cash through lockdown our indebtedness to the bank had dropped considerably we probably owed, we owed them probably three million pounds less than we did when we went into to lockdown and and I, I i'll be honest i was quite naive about the whole process because i just thought oh they'll see we're doing okay but you know they'll they'll cut me some slack it'll be okay yeah and uh that was far from the case and, and i got 
as you will recall, I got very, very frustrated with the bank to the point where I phoned you up one day and said, David, if it's me and I'm not the right person for this, then uh, um, tell me. And you said to me, you've, Paul, you've made one mistake. You've tried to teach the bank how to act commercially, whereas, in fact, what you should be doing is thinking like a bank. So yeah, I remember that day. I do actually remember that day, Paul. And you were very good-spirited about it. But I could see, and I've obviously seen it many times before, where um, the, the banks impose more and more control on a company, uh, which is their default for protecting cash. But it then stifles the company that they they're actually operating with. And the other thing, it takes a huge amount of management time, doesn't it, Paul? I mean, that's the other thing I've observed. Yeah, we would spend even in the worst of times when we were juggling suppliers. You know, we, it would all be part of the daily job. But I would say that once all the advisors got involved, we were probably spending the first five hours of every day updating cash flows, working out what money we needed, requesting that money. And as you remember, David. Before you were involved, I actually employed a, an external cash flow consultant. Yes. So to give the bank a bit more comfort that that it wasn't me, you know, preparing something that just suited my purposes. And it be, you, you got stuck in this kind of like almost Kafkaesque situation where no one seemed to know who was saying yes or who was saying no to the money. And I just got, I think I was probably very quickly got very cynical. It was all everybody was trying to cover themselves and I was at the bottom of the food chain and uh, I, was, I was covering everybody else and paying for them at the same time. But I think that what we very quickly realised was that a decision had been made at the bank, yeah. that they were uncomfortable with the level of exposure they had on our debt, but more importantly, they were nervous about our industry. So as, as you know, it, we very quickly returned to profitability in fact, profitability at levels we had never experienced before. So by the time we got to mid-August, we were uh, um, we were quite confident that we'd get through. And obviously, yep. as you know, the sector that we're in was one of those lucky ones that boomed after the end of the first lockdown. So it, it, it wasn't that we thought that we were, you know, that we should take insolvency advice or anything like that. We felt that we could trade out of that the the issue that we had and where you particularly helped us was firstly to understand the process. Having never been in a process before, you do things in different ways. And, and yes. if I have, if I use an overdraft analogy, let's say you have a over, personal overdraft of £1,000 and you've drawn down 600 I'd go to the bank and say, but I've got another 400 And they'd say, no, you owe us 600 <laughs> And it was getting my head round the, the different ways of of looking at that but once once we got the hang of that we we kind of had a a relatively peaceful relationship with the accountants and as a result the bank but that was down to you more than anything else because we just felt that we just needed time to or the, or the bank made it very clear that they would rather that we rebanked elsewhere both in terms of transactional facilities and credit facilities and to encourage us to do that they started to get more difficult about advancing cash um but mainly they will they started reducing our advance rates and one particular occasion the reduction on the advance rate took about a quarter of a million pounds out of my cash flow overnight i remember this i do remember and it is a bank technique to in their words, 
encourage one to rebank. In other words, force one to rebank by by taking the facility away. Well, that's right. And I thought first, I thought that the bank were trying to. I'll be honest. I thought the bank were trying to force us into an administration process because the the the, the kind of the conversations I was having with their account, accountants, it felt that they were coming in to see what we looked like before they acted as administrators. But then they did. They they were doing things like we got to a point where we owed them hardly anything, and and it would have been much. It would have been easier for them then just to say no, we don't want to go any further with you. But they didn't. But then they made life more difficult, and I and I couldn't get my head round where what they were doing until you said to me that again the mistake I was making was that necessarily assuming they knew what they were doing in terms of what the end goal was. I like that, Paul, and I I think. Often, you know, banks don't fully have the time and capacity or the knowledge, you know, sector and company to really grasp it. I mean, that sort of neatly leads me on to sort of another question, really. What role would you say sort of prompt played and how did that sort of impact the outcome? Now, obviously, I'm biased asking that question, but but genuinely keen to get that feedback. Okay, well, I mean, and I should place it on record again that I was very reluctant to talk to you in the first instance and it was you kept pestering me and when I finally got to talk to me you said Paul you might not like the nature of my appointment but I'm here to help you um and essentially what happened Dave you said to me that you were appointed by the accountants but you said to me at the very outset that the engagement letter was with me and you were working with me you had it and i think that's you know at the time as as the relationship development developed i'd use you as a sounding board because i was frustrated by the fact that the bank could see, for example the bank could see that we were making profits that our debt had reduced significantly yeah. but they still i tried the the classic talking to my the relationship manager that i hadn't i'd never met or spoke to before lockdown and said, if, you, if, if the risk-reward balance isn't right, then I'm, let's talk about it, i.e. it's much easier if you just charge us more money because now we're, we're in a much less risky situation. And, and, and you said to me that the people I dealt with, the decision had been made at another level, and what they were doing, yeah. they were implementing a decision that they had had no part in. So your view or, or the role that you played for me was to actually understand more of the process and guide me through that process whilst at the same time managing on a day-to-day basis, you and your team managing the kind of the relationship with the accountants so that the accountants could manage their relationship with the bank. Yeah. Because everybody seemed to be, everybody everybody seemed to be quite risk averse. And that was the difference I've found with the, the conversations that we had, David, is that you could say on, on numerous occasions, you could say, I've been here before, this is what happened. And, there were things that I wanted to say and to do, as you can imagine, and uh, and you were saying no. I really don't think, Paul, that's a good idea. You know, save that for the <laughs> save that for the future. And, and and I have to say, very quickly after you were appointed, that we did settle down into this kind of grudging relationship with all these people. Whilst at the same time, yeah, you were helping at the, at the sort of the, uh, the 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 advisor end, but at the same time, you were trying to help me plan for the future. And that was that was the key thing. You were looking at, you know, the amount. You didn't have to say it too many times, but now and again, 
when I think you felt that I needed to hear it, you were saying, you'll get through this. This will be okay. I've been in this situation so many times before and, and I recognise all of the, 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 not the symptoms, but I recognise what you're going through, where you are, etc. That was the main thing. Great. And then in a, in a nutshell, what advice would you give to other directors, shareholders, owners who are experiencing you know, difficult trading positions? Because there are a number of companies clearly as they come out of COVID that are really finding things tough and particularly with inflation at the moment. I think it's like, it's like anything. As an FD, I'd say to my team, I don't like bad news, but if there is bad news, I want to hear it. I don't, I don't want it kept from me. I think in hindsight, I should have been more forceful with the owners of the business who, who felt there wasn't an issue. As, as, as an accountant, the numbers don't tend to lie. So we knew sometime before, before let's say, before lockdown, the panel counters were introduced, that we had an issue. And I think we were left with no choice but to fully embrace the situation by the actions of the bank and I think to anyone who, who finds themselves in a position where you are concerned about you, uh, the ability to trade into the medium term is to talk to somebody sooner rather than later. Because, again, I, I can't remember the context in which you said there was an example when you said to me, you said, you, you can walk away. You can leave the, uh, leave the keys in the office and you can walk away and all your troubles will be over. But you said to me, I don't think you want to do that. And uh, um I do remember it slightly anecdotal. Uh, we had a particular issue fairly early on where the bank, we were due a significant six-figure uh, job retention remittance on a Monday. and We had to pay salaries on a Friday. And so we talked to them before. And at the time, we used to borrow across the group. And another group company had significant availability, which we dipped into and out at the time. And then the day before the, the money was due to go out, the bank said, oh, no, we can't do that. So you'll have to wait till your job retention money comes in. So I spoke to the bank and said, look, what you need to understand is that people check at six o'clock in the morning sometimes on the day of payment whether they're being paid. What, whatever I say on a Friday about you'll get paid on the Monday, they won't turn up on the Monday. So I had a quite a difficult conversation with, with the bank, our relationship manager, and said that we would take insolvency advice if they didn't release the funds and that I would make it very clear that I felt that it was the bank's fault. They were in breach of contract because they wouldn't give us access to our to our money. And we could have we could have avoided most of all of that if we'd embraced things a bit more wholeheartedly at the outset. If we'd if we'd if we'd all managed to sit down and convince ourselves that yes, we did need help. I guess there's lots of other things both in business and professional life where the hardest thing to do is to actually acknowledge the fact you do need help it was quite cathartic in some ways because it was almost a weight of being lifted off our shoulders because we were then being guided to an extent you know you provided that role where you know you helped us out and but it does have it does have its impacts of the um the two owners of the business one has never returned to the office that's incredible after two years so it had a profound effect on him and his perceived standing within the industry yeah he became quite poorly with the stress and i don't know whether we could have avoided that or not but you know i think that's one of our slight regrets that we might have been able to do that if we if we'd got help sooner the other thing that i think is quite important is that i wasn't aware there were professionals like prompt that provided this service i think it's one of those things like you don't know these people exist until you actually are introduced to them 
Well, that's such a key point, uh, and it's something we you know, genuinely always struggle to uh, obviously get over because it's very hard to explain you know, what prompt does. And actually, this podcast is very much part of that to um, explain that there is help out there. I think we all understand the principles. Like, just take for example, cash flows. You know, I've been doing cash flows for thirty years, but I'd never seen a cash flow like you did for me. <laughs> Not only was it the detail, but it was it was effectively you were you were dialing into the business very very deeply and at the same time addressing what you perceived to be the the issues with the bank yeah and i'd never seen that before and if i'd known how to if that's what the bank wanted we could have done that ourselves but actually for you to come in and say right this is what we're doing yeah that was, that was a big big change but i think fundamentally it's the fact that in this is the first time i've been involved in what i would call a distressed business and there's a whole, there's this whole industry within an industry of professionals who do this every day. Yeah, I've been involved in the sale of a couple of companies, and of course, you know, you go to your accountants, and they'll have their corporate finance departments, and so you do all of that. But I didn't, I didn't appreciate this whole like underworld of people like yourselves dealing with people in difficult situations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. That's the main thing, just to know that yeah. the, the, that people like prompt exist. Um, and Paul, if we sort of wrap up, but obviously when we, you very kindly recently sent me some accounts and, and I was fantastic to see the performance that you've achieved driving yourself, you know, driving the company and the profits and cash generation. So I, I just thought it was an incredible turnaround uh, that you uh, have achieved and, and the results, you know, as you said, numbers don't lie and the numbers were really compelling. I thought that was uh, fantastic. I think that we used, you helped us use the situation we found ourselves in, as well as the, the change in legislation, for example, the, the job retention scheme, C-bills facilities. We completely re-engineered our business so that we, we now do three quarters of the turnover we did before with half the staff. That's fantastic. And, and I think lots of people out there did that. And, and we just want to, not to grow, but to continue the business in that kind of vein. And, and we may never have had the chance to do that had we not got over those, let's call it five or six very, very difficult months. So, you know, for that, we're all very, very pleased and very grateful for, this, for the assistance you gave us. Thank you. Paul, on that note, we'll, we'll stop there. Thank you very, very much. And uh, fantastic to catch up with you. My pleasure. Nice to talk to you again, David. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by Prompt Business Strategies, the turnaround and growth specialists. If you want to get in touch with David Stone or any of our speakers, please visit our website, promptstrategies.co.uk and use the contact details you'll find there. All the views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and are general, so they do not constitute professional advice. If you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation, then please do talk to us directly.